0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Here you go, Here you go. I didn't sleep a lot last night, which is normal for uh, many people who know me know that I don't sleep. And uh, last night was one of those nights where I'm going over in my head about the show today. And trying to figure out exactly how I want to do it. Thinking of all different things I want to talk to Coca about, the producer. About what's appropriate, what's not. What people want to hear, what I want to say. What, what, what is being normal? Well, for starters, I'm giving you a word of the day because that's what we do on Nothing Personal. And the word of the day is a phrase. It's two words. It's two words in Latin. It's three words in English. It's three words in Filipino. Carpe diem. Seize the day. I guess I first learned that I had to take Latin in seventh grade. I learned that expression. General language we had to take when I was in seventh grade at Horace Mann in Riverdale. It's when you take a little few seven weeks of every language, so I can say "das That's about it. I can say "aviderchen," "obrigado," a little bit of Spanish, more French, and Latin. I can conjugate the to be verbs like "oasat," "amusatis," "ant." Uh, sumus est sunt something. Listen, I only got a B minus. Carpe diem means seize the day. Everyone's been talking about seizing the day, and I'm going to seize the opportunity you've given me and talk through the events of yesterday, the death of nine people in a helicopter accident, one of whom was Kobe Bryant, the soon-to-be Hall of Fame basketball player. One was his daughter, and there were seven other souls on board as well. Kobe Bryant, you're aware. Uh, I'm not, this is not the show where you hear that he is a five time champion, two time NBA Finals MVP. He was an NBA MVP. I'm not going to debate where he stands in the pantheon of greats. Is he on Mount Rushmore of basketball? Is he on the Mount Rushmore of people who die too young? People dying too young, that's been going on since there was birth. There's been tragic deaths left and right. I'm not gonna talk about my experience with young athletic death, specifically on this show. Obviously, I was quite involved when Jose Fernandez died in an accident, a boating accident. What I do wanna talk about though are some of the issues from a nothing personal standpoint. What I try to do is bring you inside. My job is to not be emotional and to bring you inside the reality of what it means to run a sports team or a league or a business, what it is when you have to make decisions, when you are faced with real world tragedy or real world circumstances, my job is to tell you not what I would do only, but what is being done. How do you make decisions? What happens when a call comes that you don't want, that you can't even imagine happening? What's the thought process that people go through? My initial thoughts, you know, that's, it's barely worth talking about. I, had, I have a problem, and I'm, and I'm open with you guys. I've been open with my, my audience since I started this show, and we're now 62 episodes in. I am not what you see on TV. I'm not what you hear on this show. That is, that is I, I, I give you, I have a personality that is what I talk when I talk, when I'm telling stories, when I'm making a point. But there's a whole nother side to me. It's a much more quiet side. It's a much more lonely side. It's, it's a much more personal side where there's been things that have gone on in my life, some of which I've talked about, some of which I will talk about that I have this, I'm, I'm always waiting. I'm waiting for that text or that alert. I have this, this, this synapse in my brain that's off, that when the phone rings, I associate the phone ringing with something bad happening. Or I associate when people call twice in a row, I know that's bad. I have a rule with my family and friends that if you call me, it's, if I'm not available, I'm not going to pick up. But if you call me back immediately, no matter what, I'm going to pick up because I'll know that it's an emergency. And when I got the news that uh, I had actually fallen asleep and I got the news that that I got the alerts and phone calls were coming in and uh, I, I was asleep. It happened yesterday. And it's amazing. This comes from Dan Lebitard and, and our friendship, our off the court friendship he told me how exhausting it can be to do a show every day, and I never believed him, uh, but it is. So I was napping, and I got the texts and calls that, that reports are that Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash. And what happened then is I went right into—and this is what I'm trying to work on because there was no emotion. I, what, what is amazing to me is when I read that, all I did is go right into work mode— immediately. All right, here's what's happening now. Here's what I have to do now. First, I thought of CBS Sports HQ. Are they taken care of? Do they need anything? Do they need any expertise on what organizations are doing? What is their plan? Then I thought of nothing personal. Are we doing an emergency pod? Is there something to say now? Then I thought about, do I need to make any other calls to friends or family? Are there people who'd want to know who should know? Then I went to a whole new level where I thought about what is the NBA doing? What are teams, what are the Lakers doing? I didn't even go to his family. That was not my first thought. That doesn't make this right, wrong, or judgeable. It's telling you what my role is. And one of the things we're gonna talk about in this show and we've started is what are people's role? And is it right? for those people to do their job. When news comes to the NBA that one of their most famous alums, a worldwide, world-renowned hero, a top 50 player, has died, immediately, the following checklist is gone through. Number one, the writing department within the PR department, within the PR department, you've got social media at the NBA and, and, and MLB, NFL. The way these, these companies work are like teams. You have marketing, you have sales, you have a social media department, you have a public relations department, you have a business public relations, you have a baseball public relations or basketball or football. Basketball public relations are the people who travel with the team, the people who make sure the players are available for interviews after and before games, the people who make sure the players make their appearances when they're supposed to, give the interviews they're supposed to. Business public relations are people who are supposed to write and deal with the public relations and the statements that come with the business of the sport. The death of Kobe Bryant, make no mistake, this is a business transaction within teams and within leagues. Understand what I mean. I am not downplaying the tears you're seeing on TV or the flow of tears you are hearing on the radio. I am not talking about the family, we'll talk about that later. Inside the offices of the NBA, there is no time for that emotion. The immediacy of the checklist of decisions starts the second you hear a rumor that Kobe Bryant has died. First, it must be confirmed. You cannot proceed until you are certain. And I don't mean confirmed by a member of the media. I mean confirmed by the actual Los Angeles Police Department who's on site. Believe me when I tell you I'm talking from experience. Unfortunately, Two, a statement then starts getting written for Adam Silver. The first person to speak on this is the commissioner of basketball. So immediately someone in PR is working on that statement. Meanwhile, the commissioner has gotten his deputies, his general counsel, and his labor rep, and they have had either a conference call, it was a Sunday, likely a call, or they all got up, got dressed and got into the office again personal experience why do they have to be in the same room the answer is there are decisions to be made immediate decisions number one period do the games go on what do we do about the current slate the commissioner is told there are eight games in the nba He's told exactly which teams. He may even go on NBA.com. He'll tell you that he knows the schedule by heart, but he doesn't. The deputy commissioner, PR, they'll all tell you they know everything. They don't. They go on their website. They look at the schedule, and they see the games. The first thing they had to decide, do we play? Pros, cons. When decisions like this are made by a commissioner or by a team president— what they, their job is, the reason why they're at the top of the, an organization, they have the ability to take in information from all sides and then make a decision. They don't dither. They're not always right, but they don't dither. So Adam Silver was told, listen, we could cancel games. What's the precedent? The deaths of athletes, NBA athletes, not active, former athletes. What has the league done? He'll get a report as to what's happened when a famous player, a good player, a great player has died. He'll get a report what happens when they die, when he dies of old age, when he dies of a sickness at a moderately old age, or when he dies at a young age of a sickness, a young age in an accident. You get those stat points and you're told what the league does. Then you recall that if you do cancel a slate of games, the impact it has, fans who have bought tickets, TV schedules have to be looked at. You can't cancel a slate of games without speaking to the TV partners. Three, you're talking about logistics. Can the traveling secretaries of the teams either stay in a hotel for longer if a team's on the road, Or can they get to a hotel if they have to go to their next city before they were supposed to? Are charter planes available that teams were taking? I understand you are listening to this. And you are saying you are an emotionless, horrific person. And I'm not here to disagree with you. I'm here to tell you what's real. This is what's happening within 20 minutes of the NBA find out That Kobe Bryant's helicopter had gone down and he had died. We'll get to the part about the morning, but we're not there. Immediately, it's about schedule. It's about games because the calls start coming in from teams. Are we playing? Are we not playing? If we are playing, are we doing a moment of silence? (coughs) Excuse me. If we're not doing a moment of silence, are we doing a video? If we are doing a video, we have to get to our in-game entertainment people within each home team playing and get them working on a video incorporating his highlights. Then we get to the decision of what kind of in-game are we having? Do we let the league decide or are we going to let every team decide? Central NBA is having that discussion. Meanwhile, there are discussions going on simultaneously in the NFL. MLB is not having them. They don't have to have them because they're off season. They definitely have a PR meeting because their statements are going to come out from the commissioner's office about the death of Kobe Bryant on the on the uh, on Twitter or Instagram or on their website. Obviously not in season. But you've got the Pro Bowl going on in the NFL. You've got the Pro Bowl being shown live on networks. Do you break in? Do you not break in? Is this break-in worthy? If so, for how long? These are happening immediately. All business, no emotion. Jay Jackson went on the air and he was clear. You must cancel games. You can't cancel games. I understand emotionally why he said that. I understand emotionally why players would have a hard time playing. I understand why Mike Breen would say, I don't feel like broadcasting. I don't, I bet the players don't feel like playing. I get all those things. But our job, when we're in charge, it's to be practical. It's not to be emotional. The show always goes on. What's the caveat? If Kobe Bryant had been an active player for a team that was playing that night, the game gets canceled just like we canceled our game the night Jose Fernandez passed away. The rest of baseball played, just like the rest of basketball played. If the Lakers had had a game, it would have been an interesting decision between the league and the Lakers and the team they were playing about whether or not that game should be canceled. In my opinion, it would be unprecedented when a non-active player passes away I believe those games go on. Do the players play with a heavy heart? Yes, but players play with heavy hearts all the time. There's a whole outside life that players have, just like you do in your office. When you come to work and you're having troubles at home, you're having tragedies at home, you take some days off, maybe. If you can, you can, but if you can't, you can't. If you don't have the vacation days, if you don't have a boss who lets you take off, if you can't afford to take unpaid days, you go to work with a heavy heart. The show must go on. So the NBA played its games and there were amazing, amazing reactions that teams had and they were immediate and they were not everlasting, meaning individual teams got together. Let's take the Knicks, for example, they had a game. They got together very quickly. How it would work is they would get together with, again, The owner would get together with his team president. They would talk about what we want to do. You'd probably bring in the GM, but not the coach. And you talk about, listen, what should we be doing? Let's make sure we speak to the players. Let's make sure our team psychologist is available, but let's make sure that we have enough people in the office, it's a game day, so people are in the office. Uh, I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna change the colors outside the garden to purple and gold. Then we're gonna do a pre-game, just a quick ceremony just showing a picture. Can we do that? So when we come up with ideas of what we want, we then have to make sure they can get executed and executed quickly. Can we show the number eight and the number 24 on the garden floor? How fast can you have that ready? And then we get an answer. We proceed. These are quick decisions that are going on. But you've got some teams that do it a little differently. Some teams take it upon themselves to actually change and make long-term major decisions that are made completely out of emotion, and I dare say, completely to gain attention. And I draw your attention to the Dallas Mavericks, who decided a statement by Mark Cuban that would include that they were retiring the number 24 and that no Maverick would ever wear the number 24 again. Lauded, Mark Cuban. Here's the problem with Mark Cuban. The league needs to get together. That's not a now decision. We have a list of things we have to deal with with the death of Kobe Bryant. Whether or not we are gonna do a Jackie Robinson-like retirement of a number is not for right now. We've gotta figure out about games. We've gotta figure out about statements. We've gotta make sure that our players are okay. We've got to check in on the Bryant family and players who know him well. All of that is now. We've got the Lakers who are going to host a game on Tuesday. We've got to deal with that. We've got a Lakers team in the air. We've got to deal with that. We're not dealing with the permanent retiring of a number. But Mark Cuban couldn't help himself. Mark Cuban sits around wondering why he's not a member of Major League Baseball ownership. And this is why because Mark took it upon himself that he is the story, his statement, his grandiose gesture. I don't care whether he was best friends with Kobe Bryant. I don't care whether he believes that Kobe Bryant did more for basketball than any player in the history of basketball. I don't care if they're brothers, cousins, sons, daughters, friends or lovers. What I do care about is the Mavericks are one team in the NBA and they're not Kobe's team. The Lakers, of course, have already retired 8-24. and The Lakers didn't have a chance to even figure out what they're going to put on their jerseys. Will it be a number? Do you know that part of what the Lakers are doing right now, in a cold, calculating, emotionless way, they are designing and getting approved additions to their uniform that will be unveiled Tuesday. It doesn't just happen that there's the number 24 with a circle? Or is it eight? Or is it both? Or is it the initials KB? Again, I'm saddened to tell you I have experience with this. You get a list of choices and as president of the team, you decide with the owner, what will the uniform say? Then you get it approved. Mark Cuban didn't wait for any of that. No, he did not. Went right ahead usurped any sort of news coming from baseball, basketball, or any other sport that he was retiring 24. You know, Kobe had an uh, interesting life, and I, and I have obviously I've been a big fan. The NBA is my sport. Uh, and as you know, there's a crossover because movies are my love, uh, sports is my passion. And did you know that Kobe Bryant has an Oscar? And it's fitting... And do you know who else has to meet today? Do you know the Oscars do an in-memoriam section? Kobe Bryant is an Oscar winner. And the Motion Picture Association of Arts and Academy, but that's not how it is. The Motion Picture Arts and Academy, the MP, M-M-A-P-A-A, is meeting to decide whether Kobe Bryant will be in that in-memoriam section on February 9th. Previously, there have been actors who have died the weekend of the Oscars and they didn't make it because they've already finished the segment and they can't change it. I never quite understood that. But Kobe Bryant won an Oscar. And as part of my show, as you know, I review a movie every day or a TV show. And I would like all of you to watch the animated short that won Kobe Bryant an Oscar. Kobe Bryant retired from basketball and he wrote a movie. It's a three minute and 47 movie minute movie, and it's called Dear Basketball. And Dear Basketball is a story, it's animated, and it's the story about a love affair. And it's the story about the love affair between Kobe and a basketball, and the respect he had, not toward the sport of basketball, toward the basketball, toward a basketball. And it's literally called Dear Basketball. I thought to myself when I watched that, I was pretty cynical when he won the Oscar, wondering whether he wrote that himself, how much work the director did, how much help Kobe must have had. And I realized way before Kobe died, I realized that that's an irrelevant question. What matters is that Kobe had an interest in the arts. He had an interest in books. He had an interest in growing himself and those around him intellectually. This is not being said because he died young. This is being said because he decided after basketball that he wanted a whole nother chapter. We forget in our deification of athletes that they're done on the field. If they're each row in their 40s, if they're the majority of people, they're in their 30s. Some people, even in their 20s, were seen in the NFL, people retiring in their 20s. They've got their entire life in front of them. Kobe Bryant at 41 years old, that's not even middle age. To some of you in the 18 to 18 bracket, it may be like a grandfather. But if you're in the 19 to 54 bracket, you realize that 41, you're basically, to me, you're in the top of the fourth inning. That's it. You've got more than half a game left. You feel like no matter how many runs you're down, you can win, and how many runs you're up, you can still lose. And Kobe Bryant got himself retired and decided to live his life. Part of it was the writing the investing, the business, the fathering, all the things that he wanted to do. But before he could move on, he had to close the book, literally and figuratively, on basketball that was opened only by his daughter and her superior play, who tragically died with him. The thought that she'd be in the WNBA got him interested in basketball again. The fact that she loved basketball so much got him interested in basketball again. But at the time of this movie, when it won the Oscar, it felt like a, fin- a final moment, a thank you for what basketball had done. Three minutes, 47 seconds. It's a category that we all ignore. But when you do a pool for the Oscars, if you actually watch these and get it right, that's the difference between winning and losing. Like in most things, the difference is actually doing more work than the other person. No one else is watching the animated shorts. You should. You would have seen Dear Basketball. It's not too late. So I'm not doing a lot of the regular segments on the show today. I still have, there's so many more topics to cover here, but on Kobe Bryant. But I got to so you want to talk to Samson, which is when people contact me on Twitter. I don't feel like promoting my Twitter right now. But they contact me and they ask me a question. And I was asked a simple question yesterday, and it went right to the show when I was asked it. The question is, what impact will the death of Kobe have on the Lakers for the rest of the season. What will be the impact on the death of Kobe Bryant on the field? The answer is harsh and actual and true and real and biting, but the answer is zero. The answer is that all the sadness that the players feel, all the anxiety, all the concern for his family, his wife, his three remaining daughters, the, daughter, the daughters and the families of the others who died, It'll be a short-term distraction, especially Tuesday night. There's a funeral they'll have to get through and they'll have to go to as a team because they'll all go. The schedule of funeral will be done around the Lakers schedule so they won't be on the road. Maybe during an off day at home, upcoming in the next week. Maybe it'll be a memorial service. That's what the family's working on. But the players themselves, the Lakers... It's a short-term distraction. Long-term, it's about winning a title. Think about Boston. The Boston Red Sox won a World Series. Do you remember Boston Strong? If you don't, you should. The nightmare of the Boston Marathon bombings. The tragedy of people dying at the finish line of the Boston Marathon during an actual Boston Marathon. Those disgusting, spineless, not nearly dead enough men who set off nail bombs and killed people and maimed people, life and limbs. Well, the Red Sox, it was an emotional time in Boston. And uh, the Red Sox went on to win the World Series. They called it Boston Strong. They used Boston Strong because they won the World Series. If they hadn't won the World Series that year, Boston Strong would still be a thing. It would still have mattered. But the fact is winning the World Series made it matter that much more. The Lakers would view the death of Kobe Bryant, it's not something that will get in the way of them winning a championship. It's something that will be part of the narrative if they do win a championship. But in terms of impacting game to game, seed to seed, first seed, eighth seed, how they do in the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered before Tuesday night's game. The game against the Clippers Tuesday night will not be normal in any way, but their next game will be there will be no impact. I do appreciate that question. I appreciate you wanted to ask, and that is the answer. So, you know, people are uh, angry today. When people get angry, they they tend to ask questions, they tend to need to lay blame. Something that bothers me, sometimes it's nobody's fault. Sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes tragedies happen and you can't explain them. And sometimes people react to tragedies in a way that you may think is inappropriate and incorrect, but it isn't. Last night, yesterday afternoon, the news broke of Kobe Bryant's death. It was broken by an outlet called TMZ. If you're not familiar with TMZ, it's a, uh, how would I describe it? It's a rag, it, you know, that. It's, it's like a gossip site. I've sadly been on TMZ a few times. I wear that not as a badge of honor, but as a ring of discomfort. It's when they look to break stories or have stories or see people in uncompromising positions. Sex tapes are always popular, that's not why I was on. But TMZ broke the news of the helicopter crash and broke the news that Kobe Bryant was among the dead. And they are being mercilessly criticized, including by people in my own studio here at CBS. What is the role of the media? What is the role of the fan? What is the role of the family? What is the role of the league? What is the role of the team? Do you know that everybody has a role? and everybody has to play his role. The media has a role. Their role in our society, their job is to inform. When they have a story, their job is to go with that story. In my opinion, there's only one thing TMZ needed to do, not make sure the family had been told, not make sure victims' families had been notified. Their one job, was to make sure they weren't wrong. That's it. Once they have confirmation of a story, they've got to go with it. Do you think for one second, that CBS, whose very chair I'm in, if they had the exclusive knowledge that something like that had happened, exclusively, and it was confirmed, triple confirmed, that they wouldn't go to air? of course they would go to air. Do you think they would look around and the editor would say, wait a minute, we've got to make sure the next of kin has all been informed. That's not how it works. I had a conversation with someone who broke the Jose story yesterday. It was Andy Slater. He broke that story that Sunday, September 25th, 2016. And uh, I spoke to him yesterday. And I wanted to make sure that I was understanding something. And I asked him very simply, did he consider making sure whether Jose's family had been told? And the answer was no. And he didn't say it rudely. He said, that's not my role. My role was to make sure I got the story right and I had it from people on the scene confirmed. I remember having to confirm on the scene that it was Jose Fernandez being called from the scene, but that's not for today. The point is TMZ is being criticized right now completely unfairly. They did nothing that any other person wouldn't do. How many people, how many people are trying to be first? How many networks are trying? Why? Money, business, that's their job. You wanna be first, you wanna be right. I would review another movie, but I don't have time called The Paper, a movie directed by Ron Howard about being right with a headline versus being right now or being right tomorrow or fixing what's wrong tomorrow. I can't criticize TMZ as much as I want to, as much as I wanna make sure that every family member was told. The fact of the matter is when a story comes out that will be of import nationally, internationally, And we are learning now, if you had any misunderstanding of the impact of the death of Kobe Bryant, this is an international story. This is not a CNN story or a Fox story, left versus right. This is not basketball versus baseball or soccer. This is a human interest story because a man died with his daughter at the age of 41 when his daughter was 13. And that man happened to be really good at basketball. And when you have that story, you go with it. That's their role. The fans' role is to go to Staples Center and light candles and bring flowers. They have no other way to express their sorrow or frustration. They've got to go on site, be a part of a group. I watched it happen. I know it. I've seen it. I've lived it. The players' role is to go on TV or tweet Dwayne Wade, is he being criticized for going on Instagram and sharing his sorrow with all of his millions of followers? Is he doing that for clicks? Cynics say yes, I say no. It is a way that we've come to express ourselves. We don't need to read from 400 different people about the death of Kobe. We know it. We heard it. We saw it. Yet tweet after tweet, time after time, it's thoughts, it's prayers, it's stories, it's individual people on every network live. Do you know what actually is going on inside network, news, editorial rooms? They're looking for guests who have privity to the deceased. Who can we bring on who has a story, who's met him, who's been through something like this? That's not because they don't have feelings. That's because they want to be watched. And to be watched, you have to be interesting. To be interesting, you have to be on the air immediately with breaking news and reaction that people are turning to because they want to feel connected to something. That's the role of the news organizations. That's the role of the fans. We all have a role. Don't criticize people for playing their own role. There is criticism, I'll tell you that. There's criticism for a Washington Post reporter. Criticism. Do you guys remember when I got ratioed for that tweet on fatherhood? and paternity leave. I never knew what ratio it was. I've talked about it a few times. (laughs) I got uh, notified about a tweet that a writer for the Washington Post put out. Washington Post, right after Kobe died, tweeted out a link to an article talking about when he was charged with sexual assault in Colorado. Some of you may not know this story, some of you may. Kobe Bryant was charged Sexual assault of a hotel employee. The charges were eventually dropped. The civil suit was not. Kobe Bryant settled with the girl and the girl's family. I think she was 19. He acknowledged sex, but said it was consensual. He acknowledged the extramarital affair. He bought Vanessa a very large diamond ring. Many of you may remember the press conference. Forty minutes after he died, word got out he died. The Washington Post writer... Tweeted out a link to the article describing this sexual assault case. And she got absolutely hammered. And I'm talking about 20, 25, 30,000 replies with 300 likes. The replies were all, how could you? How could you step on his grave? His corpse isn't even, is it dry or wet? Whatever the expression is. Warm or cold. Cold. How could you dare bring this up? She then did a follow-up tweet trying to explain her actions, then deleted the tweets, and then got suspended. Wouldn't you know it? The Washington Post is claiming they suspended her only because she tweeted out screen grabs of emails from people who were being incredibly hateful toward her, but didn't redact the name of the people which was a violation of the social media policy. I don't even know what the social media policy is at CBS. Never read it, don't plan on it. I'll wait to get suspended, or not. What I do know is that the Washington Post used that as an excuse to suspend her. Give me a break, Washington Post. You know very well that you suspended her because she was bringing unwanted attention to your paper, because she made a mistake. What's my view of this? That is a very important tweet to put out at the wrong time. The reason why she made a mistake is she did not have a feeling of when to do it. There's plenty of time to discuss the legacy of Kobe Bryant. Do you know that every single obituary of Kobe Bryant will mention his charge of sexual assault? Every one of them. And do you know that editorial rooms around the country and the world were meeting to decide whether or not they include it, what part of the story do they include it? How many seconds of the total story is devoted to the sexual assault? No matter what he did after that moment, and he did plenty, good things. We don't know any other bad things. He's just a man, he's a man who made a mistake He's a man who we gave a second chance to because in the public eye, we love our heroes, especially our sports heroes. We love them to admit when they've made a mistake, and we love to forgive them. Kobe was forgiven, but that doesn't mean that wasn't part of his obituary. Everything you do, some people call it legacy. I call it obituary. Your obituary is being written one day at a time. There are something called OMs in your life, not a direct message, an OM. An OM is an obituary moment. You'll know it when you have it because you're all going to have it. You don't know what it is until you're going through it. And the people who are the most able to control their own OMs are the people who are aware before it starts. It's a hard thing to do. I'm painfully aware of many of the things that'll be in my obituary, and there's not one thing I can do about it. There was a movie called The Inside Man. Spike Lee did the movie with Clive Owens, Jodie Foster. There was a Nazi sympathizer who is basically took money from Jews and started a bank. Christopher Plummer played the role. He then spent the rest of his life giving back spent the rest of his life trying to atone for his sins and was a man of the people, hugely charitable. This is a movie character. But you know what? It never goes away. And that's not to say that I blame Kobe Bryant or I judge Kobe Bryant. It is to say that part of his OM was that day in Colorado, just as much as it was the day that he decided to go on a helicopter in bad weather just as much as it was the day he won the second of his back-to-back MVPs, just as it was the day that he picked up his daughters at school at the end of a random Tuesday, just as it was the day that he would randomly give advice to people or autographs or pictures or have moments with players. Those are all moments that make up a life. The woman in the Washington Post, her life has forever changed because of a tweet that was done at the wrong time, forever changed. You know, I, I just uh, I'm not willing to I'm not willing to take the death of Kobe Bryant as a reason to hug my family or to Carpe Diem, which was my word of the day, Sagopananga Raz Filipino. Why is it that someone has to die or a tragedy has to happen? I was thinking about it when people are sick. You know when you're sick and you have the flu or you have fever, you say to yourself, I will never take my health for granted again. I feel like such crap. I can't wait to feel better. And when I do, I am not going to run myself ragged. When I do, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to sleep better. And then you feel better. You completely forget. And you go back to the exact things you did that got you sick in the first place. I feel like that's what we do with taking our family and friends for granted. What's wrong with saying I love you to your friends and family every day? What's wrong with calling for no reason? What's wrong with having the ability just not to want something from someone, not to need something from anyone, but just to tell everyone how you feel? Why is it that we say when we read about a tragedy or hear about a tragedy and dying at 41 is a tragedy, but the only tragedy was not Kobe Bryant? There were nine tragedies yesterday, and that was only that one helicopter, I want a list of the rest of the people who died in Los Angeles yesterday. Why are they less a tragedy than the other? What about the people who died in Florida? Or the people who just died anywhere? Who left kids, kids who lost parents way too young? We don't hear about them because barely anyone's famous. And fame is like a vapor. It, it disappears, I assure you. Fame is not real. Idol worship of athletes or movie stars, that's not real. What's real to me is the ability to have the emotion. And when I tell you I'm emotionless, that's the business, David. Believe me, I've got plenty of emotion. And I do say I love you as often as I can to the people I love. To the people I don't love, I don't say it because I don't throw it around. I don't throw around the word friend. Kobe Bryant was not a friend of mine. I don't decide to love people because Kobe Bryant died yesterday. I don't decide to seize the day because he died yesterday. Any day that ends in Y, how about that? How about looking at your kids? How many people did you see on the media, on TV, every minute of every day? They're still live right now. They're saying, please, hug your family. Draw them close. You never know what tomorrow can bring. It took a helicopter crash. In California to tell you that makes no sense to me. Anyway. Wait to see. I uh I don't even want to do a wait to see. That's it. Thank you. Yeah